Everyone, welcome back to Absurdity. So today is going to be another special video episode for patrons because Tony is in town. He's stopped by my house. I've currently, I've redone my studio space a little bit, but yeah. I was caught off guard in, um, not caught off guard, but it's still kind of a mess in here from when a guest was staying. And so I had to clean everything out and the heater's been running. So it's very hot in here. So we have my window open. Yeah. So we're going to get some, if you get some traffic noise, fun ambient, if you hear no joinage. traffic noise, like none at all, it just means that no, you know, obnoxious person drove by. But also what it means is that my editor is amazing <laughs> and you should hire him by also, going to yes. the email that's in the show notes. Yes. Kendall, shout out to you one way or the other. And if it, and if here's what I'll say, if there is traffic noise, and he couldn't get rid of it. It's not because he isn't good. It's because you literally no, yeah. can't get rid of it's, it. Like you it's, can't, yeah. It happened when one of us was talking, and so the mic picked it up at the same time. If you would like to hear some fun ambient noises, uh, what episode did we do last year around this time at my house or my grandma, my great grandma? Oh yeah, and there's like cleaning. dishes and and birds. And she knew I was and, recording. Like she, yeah. oh, that was the best. This is family's great. Just go like 52 episodes ago, yeah. and you'll be there. Yeah, um, roughly. You know what's amazing? I had surgery this year. We have not missed an episode. We haven't. We are two weeks out from the end of the from the end of the year, and I've actually released extra episodes yeah. this year. We've we've done a pretty decent job of staying on top yeah. of things, which is crazy considering the, the semester I've had. I've had things like um, extra assignments. I had a exam get moved forward. Yikes! A couple of weeks, like stuff like that. It's just like okay. Yikes! So yeah, it's, it's just been between you and I's year. The fact that we've been able to make it is awesome. So it's pretty good. Yeah, this has been quite the year. And it's, um, the, it's the penultimate yeah. 2019 episode. So well, this and here's is exciting. And I'll, and I'll be honest, like, I am not big on like the State of the Union stuff for the podcast or let's do a special Christmas episode again or anything like that. And it's not because I'm not a big fan of those, but it's like those betray, like, those aren't the content people yeah, listen well, for. And, and why am I going to break from the content it's people listen limited, for? Yeah, and it's limited because it's like, when you're listening to this in 2025, yeah, right, exactly. You know, hopefully, people still listen to to podcasts, you know, with devices we plug directly. Into Given our ears. how much money I've invested in this, people still better be listening <laughs> to podcasts in 2025. Um, but yeah, like you know, assuming it's not instantly downloaded into our brains as yes, uh, chips exactly. But um, like when you listen to it, like those aren't the episodes like that make sense. Yes, exactly. It's it's those aren't the episodes that it's like well that that has no relevance. You want to try to do things, and we try to do things that have a little bit more lasting. Yeah. Um, well, and on that note, um, just a reminder for everyone that uh, we are taking applications for new podcast yes. ideas, religious yes. or non-religious. does not matter what your genre is, what your topic is, um, who's on your podcast. I don't really care. Um, but I, I'm looking for— I mean, we care if it's John Cena. Like, let us know if it's John yeah, yeah. Cena. But then it's don't do it as a video podcast because no one will see him. Yeah. Or I guess you could do it as a video podcast. John Cena is in the video podcast for this episode. Right Go now. to Patreon right, right now. now. We told um, him not to say anything, though. If you're not in on right. that meme, just look up the John Cena in pictures meme and you'll understand. Um, but no, we are accepting applications for new podcast ideas. Or if you already host a podcast and want to submit it for the Absurd Podcast Network, um, there is a fee. There's like a monthly fee, and um, but there's perks that come with that. Basically, the idea is that you're joining the network and we take care of all the back-end stuff, all the behind-the-scenes work. We find the advertisers. We do all of that. 
for you so that you can be uh, freed up to just make the content that you're passionate about, make the content that you're excited about. And so, I mean, realistically, you're going to be paying fees anyway. Um, And in this way, it's you have a team behind you. Yeah, you're investing in the future of your podcast and you're you're paying money to do less work, not more. Exactly. Um, So this is... So we are accepting. Now, that doesn't mean that I'll take anyone that wants to pay money. That's why there's an application process and I need you to give as much info as you can because this is, I'm looking for high-quality podcasts or high-quality podcast ideas with hosts behind them uh, that we can invest in and look to grow, give ad revenue to, and really look to build a platform for as we build out the network. And so, yeah, theabsurdity.org slash donate. And I'm hoping that that redirect, or I'm hoping I'll have it set up as a redirect when we get the network website up and running as well, because there'll be a new application page there. But you can check the show notes for a link uh, and go check that out. If you host one or you know of someone who hosts one, you want to throw it their way, um, but go fill out the application there and uh, we'll get back to you. So we were going to talk about something today, this week, and we... We had a a few ideas, but yeah. We changed it because of something rather big that happened in the... Seventh-day Adventist, non-Seventh-day Adventist world. And the reason I say that is because uh, this piece of news actually started from someone who is a former Seventh-day Adventist pastor. And she recently stepped out of the denomination just a few months ago. And actually, if you want to hear an interview with her, go check out Burn the Haystack. They just released an episode with her. Yeah, um, It's actually already their most downloaded episode, but go check that out. But Chantel Smith is a former Adventist pastor. I think she's in the D.C. area. She was. And she's now in L.A. Yeah, now she she's, yeah, now. she moved, but she was in the D.C. area. And she posted a status on her Facebook on Sunday night, last Sunday night, so December 9. And she got, or no, I'm sorry, December 8. I can't, apparently I can't. I don't know dates. But, so she was seeing pictures and advertisements for um, for PELC, which is a leadership conference that happens kind of every year for Adventists, for non-Adventists. It, it is an Adventist event, and it's for ministry leaders mainly. But it is a, uh, I think, over 1,500 attendees every year, basically, or averaging 1,500 attendees, which is really cool. Um, and let me see if I can, yeah, so it stands for Pastoral Evangelism and Leadership Council. That's what it stands for. And she's gone to it before an annual event. I think it's every December and really big thing. In fact, I've advertised for that event on one of the other podcasts that I host, uh, the lead podcast. Right. We, yeah. We ran ads for it. And, um, what, what's crazy about this and, and just so we're clear, what I'm about to talk about, Pelk is only tangentially, tangentially related. related. Like it's yeah. just like the, the, it's the trigger, so to speak. Well, it's the event. Yeah. Like Which, it's it's the location and the timing of it. Yeah, but the, this is not this is not at all correct. This has nothing to do with the event itself. It's just setting, it, ostensibly. Yes. So, um, and by the way, this is the trigger warning because we're about to be talking about sexual assault. So, this is the trigger warning. Um, so she posts this status on her Facebook, and she says, "Oh man, Hulk brings back so many memories, both good and bad. Triggered by the photos that I'm seeing." And um, then she goes in, she says, such a great, such a great event. But last year while I was attending, I went out to dinner with a few friends and needless to say, when it was time to leave, I was followed out of the restaurant into a parking lot by a male pastor in the Southwest Regional Conference who participated in the Pelk event and physically assaulted and verbally attacked me because I would not say hi to him when he came over to my table. 
This is the same individual who, while we were in seminary during class, asked me to come over to his house to sleep with him and suggested to me that the women in seminary were just as shady as the men and that promiscuity was the norm. Crazy stuff. I reported the violence and terrifying experience. Nothing was done, even though there were witnesses. He was installed in his church that following weekend. I even appealed to the women's clergy director at the North American division and didn't hear back. This was heartbreaking. I write this post not to shame anyone, but it's because I don't know who else this stuff is happening to, but I'm confident it's happening. I want to warn my sisters in ministry to be vigilant, to be wise, and to be on guard. You need a safe place to share. I'm he- If you need a safe place to share, I'm here. And then she ends this with, you can't be an advocate for women's ordination and not fight to protect and speak out for the women you advocate for against the patriarchal systems in place that continually oppress and disadvantage minorities. So... This launches into a week's worth of, you know, she posts a bunch of clarifying things. She, she posts more clarifying where she's coming from. And, um, and I'm going to link to that specific post as well as a screenshot of it, just in case for whatever reason, you know, I, I can imagine someone in this, in this scenario. Um, I hope that this doesn't happen to her, but I could see her being kind of forced by whatever kind of threats come her way to have to go, you know, make everything private. Yeah. I could see that happening. I don't think she would given who she is and given the fact that she was willing to speak out like this to begin with, but right on yeah. the off chance. Um, now the, what's crazy about this is about middle midway through the week, she started actually getting stories from people, stories from women who had also experienced sexual assault, whether it was from a male or whether it was from a church leader. Right, whether it was from a non-church leader or church leader, most of them were church leaders. And what's crazy is at the time that we're recording this, she's almost at a hundred people. Um, she's at ninety-eight. That was posted an hour ago, recording this Saturday night. So she's at ninety-eight people who have come forward with their stories or just said, like I, you know, me too. And that's heartbreaking to me. <laughs> um, and it's heartbreaking to her. It's heartbreaking to all of us to to see this. And it's sad because I, look, I speak out against the system a lot. And because of the different positions that I've been in, because of the different things, different projects that I'm working on, I've begun, I've begun to work more closely with the denomination. And what that has done is that has put a lot more kind of faces to the, the shadowy system organization. And that hasn't necessarily changed a lot of my opinions, but what it's done is it's also broken my heart for the people I know in the system who maybe have their hands tied by red tape or may have their, um, or may have nothing to do with this and absolutely, and absolutely have no say in something like this. Now I can't speak to the veracity of literally anything in her post. Um, I can't speak to the NAD women's clergy director. I can't speak to any of that. I don't know them. I don't know who it is off the top of my head. Um, and so like, this isn't about that piece of it necessarily. Rather, it's about the, I think the, the response or the reaction to it overall. Um, and so I think that's a good place to start. Tony, what is kind of your first or gut reaction to this, this kind of thing happening? Or this kind of post? Yeah. Um, you know, I... It's one of those situations where um, 
it's becoming a lot harder to hide situations like this. Again, it, it's a situation that I can't verify. Um, I hate to, I hate to put opinions on a specific situation uh, that I don't know a hundred percent of the information about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because again, it, there are serious implications by what she's saying, and because she's she's no longer an employee, I think she has the freedom to be able to do that and to say that. But yeah, you know, I'm not about to ask you. Yeah, exactly. This still has implications, so it's hard. It's hard for me to say like, oh, well, one of my colleagues definitely did that. But we're seeing this across Christianity. Um, this isn't just an Adventist thing. This is across Christianity. It's becoming much harder for situations like this to continue. Um, all of us want transparency when it's somebody else's denomination. You know, oh, those Catholic priests are, are terrible. Oh, the, you know, yeah. Mars Hill. Oh, you know, that thing. But then when it's our pastor, our friend, our community. Well, we're tempted to do what um, I just said, which is like now you have faces to the to the yeah. nameless people, and, these, these clergy that are doing these things. Um, I, you know, I, I wish that, you know, I, you know, you just, you just have a lot of places where it's becoming more difficult to, to behave in a manner that hurts people. And that's always a positive thing. Um, God once, uh, Jesus once said this. He goes, you know, the, those who work in darkness hate the light because the light reveals that which, you know, wants to be hidden. Um, this is the condemnation, that the light came into the world and people rejected the light because they love the darkness. So to me, I look at something like this and I go, you know what? If it's true, then this is going to be made better by coming out into the light. Even if it's not true, there's nothing bad about coming into the light. Um, and I think that having transparency, you know, I, I struggled for a long time. Um, not years, but a significant portion of time with, with depression. And, and I've struggled with it all my life, I find out now, but um, I really dealt with it. You know, I was going, was going through a real season of depression and I was told by people in high leadership positions, pulling me aside in, in the, with, the, with the best of intentions, uh, don't tell people that, you know, mm-hmm. don't tell people you're dealing with it. And it's a generational difference. I know it is. Um, it's a cultural difference. It's, a, it's, a, it's an old tradition of you can't show weakness. Um, in the same way that we're, we're learning how to handle mental illness is the same way that we're learning to handle um, abuse. And it is tra- with transparency. Um, I understand for legal reasons, unfortunately, sometimes we can't be organizationally as transparent as we would like. I, I know from just having family members and friends um, and, and acquaintances in high up, you know, positions in the church that they they take the brunt of the transparency issue because if they talked, they would absolutely destroy people's career. If they actually told the truth, they would they would ruin a person's life mm. completely, a hundred percent. 
Um, and so to avoid, and there are those that would say, well, if they did these terrible things, they should do that. Their life is already yeah. ruined. Which, which I think there's a valid validity to that argument. But I think in taking the high ground and saying, look, here's the reality. Um, and I'm not talking about sexual, this, for me, sexual assault, there's never a good reason to hide that. Um, any assault, anything like that. But on certain improprieties that were done that are, that, that don't, that, that aren't as traumatic, I will say, because they're just as damaging, but they're not as traumatic. I understand having a bit of, you know what? We're going to let you go. We're going to tell certain people about this. We're, we're going to be transparent if you try to get another job, but you don't deserve this type of shaming that's going to have from this. I understand that. But to me, again, I always go back to, I understand that, that for legal reasons, you can't be transparent sometimes in those types of things. But this level, um, there's, there's no room in the Bible, in, in church tradition, in um, the ministry for an old school boys club. And we all just hush hush about what's mm-hmm. going on. It's like, no, we need level of transparency. That's my initial reaction to this is, man, I, I just hope this helps. This helps make it more difficult for things like this to continue. I agree with you and I slightly disagree with you, but I think, I think, I think we agree. Well, you're wrong. No, that's my, that's my, <laughs> that's my line, Tony. Sorry. Um, here's, and here's what I mean. I do think it's, I don't think we should just be randomly outing people on social media. And and I don't think Chantel is doing that at all. Right, yeah, yeah, just yeah, so yeah, yeah. Just so we're clear. I don't think that's necessarily what we need to be doing. But I do think we follow the proper steps to report, which is what she did. Um, and then she went to social media and Allegedly. still didn't out the yeah. person. Yeah. Now, I don't know, and what's not clear is if she went to authorities, and I don't know that she did. Right. And, if she's telling the truth, then she followed. Yeah. yeah. Well, and... But here's the deal. Like what she's talking about too is not necessarily, I, I guess the, I guess the interaction in the parking lot would be right. She says he, he right, physically yeah. assaulted and ver- yeah. or physically assaulted and verbally attacked. Um, and then which, yeah. Once again, when you talk about legal definitions, physically assaulted, I'm pretty sure isn't a, like an assault isn't battery is when they've placed their hands on you. So, or when they've yeah, actually hit yeah. you, assault, assault is, is, is the threat. verbally attack. Yeah, it's a threat. So I, I don't, I'm not clear. Well, I think when she says physically assaulting, I think she's implying battery as well. But yes. yeah, but yeah, it's like from a, from or she a, physically, he physically yeah. threatened me and verbally threatened me. Yes. And, and my thing Two here for is that's the part that could go to authorities. Yeah. The rest of this was, here is a guy who's saying, who's doing this behavior and he's trying to go into lead into ministry and she's trying to report this to superiors because this guy could potentially do something harmful to someone in one of his churches or whatever, if he's already, you know, doing this sort of thing. And, and I get that. Um, Like this isn't necessarily the same kind of situation that goes to authorities. So I I agree with you in that, like there's so there's only so much reporting or so far that some of this can go because it really does need to be handled by the denomination. And let me put it, let me, let me be real clear. I don't think even if the division didn't respond to this directly, I don't necessarily think this is the on the division. I think this would be on the conference to not yeah. have responded to yeah. correctly. That, that's not on the Pelk event. That's not on the division. It's not even on the uni. That's on the individual congregation and the conference. Yeah. That's the vetting process that they need to do. And 
And so this, so I struggle with this because I don't know exactly what, like, I'm glad that she reported this. And, and in one of her later posts, she says like, this is to me, bringing this to social media is the final step of Matthew 18 because what, what, like what I mentioned that That, I was going to bring that up. Yeah. Which she's like, I'm bringing it before the community, but here's the thing in this situation. And, and I go back, if you, if you want like a more in-depth explanation to this, go back to our episode. I think it's 94 with Sarah McDougall. We talk about abuse mentality and she brings up that Matthew 18, when it comes to criminal behavior or when someone has violated, not just sinned against you, but violated, um, it's, it, it is a completely different ball game because no one right, says, yeah, yeah, yeah. go back to your carjacker. Have you confronted them one-on-one to the guy who, you know, or the guy who mugged you go talk to them one-on-one <sighs> before you come talk to the authorities. Yeah. Uh, no one does that. When you're talking about criminal behavior well, and, or, and, and remember the Matthew 18, it's, it's, it's meant in the context, if you see someone doing something inappropriate, it's a form of accountability, not has someone done something to you. Um, no, no, no. Matthew 18 is if your brother sins against you. Right, right, right. But the, that, that implication, as I've always understood it, is they stole money or, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't, it's not meant to be, Something traumatic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because the Levitical yes. code has very spe- they, yeah. They correct. lied to you. They okay. didn't return something. I was like, what do you mean the implication? Um, the, it's very yeah, straightforward. Like it's because the, the the Levitical code has very different codes for people who did like murder or you know yes. traumatic event. Um, that's a very different side. And, and when you understand what Jesus is trying to say is like, if someone steals money from you, you don't just immediately narc on them. You well, you go and confront them, and then you do certain things, and and so w- with Sarah and I'd heard this before, but it's just so eye opening to remember that like that only works in a situation where it's not going to cause more damage. Well, not only yes, correct, and you're not revictimizing you're someone. Revictimizing someone, yeah, yeah. yeah. But but also um, there there's one other element to it, which is it apply it implies that the two people are equal. If your brother sins against you, right? In this specific situation, you've you've got two people who are. Planning power to be dynamic. pastors. Yeah. No, this one, the power dynamic isn't the same because they're both equals. In seminary, same time, on the same path, you can, you can okay. apply not uh, equal right. if you want to yeah, go yeah, the... Right. the yeah, if you yeah. I go see the, what you're saying. I see what you're saying. If you yeah. want to go the male-female the male female route, that's different. That's more, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm yeah. talking about just position-wise. Just wise. in the position-wise. This yeah. isn't pastor right. lay member. Yeah, These right, are two right. seminary students. Two authority Now levels. two pastors. Yeah. So... The power differential isn't necessarily there for this, but what is there is the kind of criminal behavior and the traumatic behavior right, yeah. that would be unsafe for someone to go. If anything, this was the one-on-one. Um, because if this guy, um, this guy thought that uh, she had sinned against him and went and confronted her, um, if anything, um, there, he went ahead and gone, he went ahead and did Matthew 18. She's excused in my mind. You know what I mean? Even if he's not right, he's not right. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. all right, cool. You went there. We're there. Fine. <laughs> to the community well, we go. You know, and I always go back to, that was the other thing that when I first saw that, I was like, you know, I, I hate the fact. <sighs> the, the, the tremendous amount of ego that I see in the ministry still. And I'm like, man, it's, it's 2019. Like, I understand the human condition never changes. I get that. Human nature never changes. I think we're always going to have But But it just, just, to me, it's like, I feel like we we should have gotten to the point where we can recognize 
that that should be passed. But the idea that they're still, you know, we're still struggling with politics and all that kind of stuff is like, well, I guess we're really never going to get rid of this until we get rid of sin completely. Mm-hmm. Because you would think that that's something that would, you know what I mean? Like I get that in the in the twenties and thirties when pastors were, you know, still high up and you know people yeah. still had like literal pulpits that were you know high lifted up and it's like man but it, we've come so far in in our understanding of correct theology and our understanding of biblical context um moving away from these kind of more you know distancing traditions that that mm-hmm. are unblip you know unbiblical to still have people that have such such fragile fragile egos. I mean it just goes back to not to make light of the situation but you know I've always I've always kind of joked with friends that you know the same way that psychologists are usually the people that need counselors the most. Pastors need uh, pastors. pastors are the ones that need God the you know mm-hmm. God calls people that need him the most. Um I think Henry Wright talks about that like some people some some of you were only called to the ministry cuz God knew he couldn't yeah. get you in the kingdom any other way. Um and I get that that's true. It, that, I think, bugged me more than anything else. I think, you know, if, if someone confronted her about, I mean, we've had so many things, you know, even the scratches had to deal with, you know, these wonderful human beings that Jesus loves that, you know, write terrible, terrible things about other people in the church and just accuse them and yes. say all this stuff that Ellen White talks, you know, that you shouldn't do. And the Bible talks about you shouldn't do that kind of stuff. Um and yet they do those types of things, and it's like, all right, we all deal with harassment of some kind. So it's like I get confronting someone like that over something like that. Like, really, you're gonna do that? You're gonna you're gonna say those mean things? But when someone doesn't just doesn't come up and greet you and doesn't give you the respect that you feel you deserve, it's like, dude, yeah, really. No, I but let's put it this: I mean, if he is the kind of guy that that would walk up to her and just straight up invite her, like, you should sleep with me, right, yeah. Which, granted, I don't know what the extent of their relationship prior to him asking that question is. I don't know if that's like an out of the blue thing, or they'd been friends, or yeah. they'd gone on a few dates, right? I don't know. But just the fact, like that kind of manipulation of everyone else is doing it, you should just do it too. Um, Wait, it's so elementary school, isn't it? Yeah, it's a hundred percent elementary school. It's like, not. But okay. I feel like if I keep talking about the specific situation, I'm missing the forest for right, the trees. Right, right, so right, right. So let's let's yeah. let, let's let's sky view this because, well, and the, and the, so this is the issue that I think we need to still deal with, and we've been talking about it a lot, and we still need to talk about it a lot. How do we put this level of transparency? We're seeing this in our uh, policing force, right, in mm-hmm. the United States. We're seeing this in our government politics. We're seeing it in our military. Uh, right now, especially because of the pardons um, that have been granted and mm-hmm. whether or not you believe those pardons should be, this is the idea that there should be transparency. Um, I think we're seeing this in a lot of other places. And it's like, how do we deal with this in our church? Because this is going yeah. to happen. Like transparency is going to happen. How do we get ahead of the, the ball? My, okay. So I struggle because um, one of the biggest things about sexual assault is because of how traumatic it is, the because of how traumatic it is, it can take a long time for someone to have the courage to report. Yeah. Um, so the one thing that needs to happen, I think, and I, at this point, given how prevalent this kind of thing seems to be, I would love for it to be a full time position in every at least every union, if not every. And I'm not a fan of hiring more administrators in the Adventist Church. <laughs> if anything, everyone. Lord knows we have a lot of them, but. It, if anything, then let's go, not go the uh, let's pay an outside company and do a third party. But there needs to be someone who is a 
designated this is the person you report this to and it's their job and their sole job to it's kind of like the HR director that everyone hates but this is like this is the person you don't want knocking on your door but not right? someone yeah that <laughs> most of the time that would fall under the purview of HR um and and I think what you're saying what I would agree with is it's not enough to have an HR person you need someone who specifically is assigned to only this correct and b- beyond that the the difficulty is that for a lot of this, especially since it takes a lot of time for someone to come forward about it, it becomes harder and harder to prove their case the more time that goes by, whether that's how many interactions you had or traumatic you know encounters you had or whatever. The fear that I have is that in order to actually believe these people who've been victimized, it's going to take re-victimizing them. And I don't want that. And so what I, my whole thing with this, aside from the position thing, is my big thing is whatever we pref, what, whatever we decide to do as a church or as a country, as a global community, whatever, when it comes to sexual assault and violence, whatever, we, whatever we're going to do, we need to preface it with how do we reduce the amount of re-victimization that has to happen? How do we prevent that? Uh, because I think that needs to be a key part of this is we need to figure out a way to do this that does, that does not involve having to re-put someone through the trauma they did. I mean, Chantel had to go back into, and excuse me, and, and, and relay her story in detail. Yeah. And you don't want every person to do that. Like what you're asking them to do is relive the very traumatic thing that they've gone through. And some, listen, some women, some men can do it. And some and some just and some you know, yeah. just can't. No matter how important it is and no matter how, like some just can't. Well, I, we need I think, to, you know, I think the other issue is I think they would go through it if they really thought it would get done. The problem is I think a lot of people see that it doesn't, you know, the people who, who, yes. who go and step up, you know, oftentimes, and this is just an unfortunate logistic, HR directors at a conference don't have the moral authority um, to be able to hold someone accountable. Yeah. And so somebody at a high enough level that, that has authority and, and will be listened to, I think it would be, it may make it a lot easier because if someone saw that, if I do this, something will actually get done. Obviously you have to be, you know, I, I you want to be able to go, you have to have a process to make sure that even though statistics show it's like the lowest, you know, maybe, what was it like eight percent or seven percent are false accusers? You want to be able to have that that some some sort of a process to be able to make sure that the validity of the accusation is there. But at the same time, you need to be able to to have a place where they can come to and know that something is going to happen where they're going to get protected. You know where where it's they're not going to get revictimized or they're not going to face the fallout of this. Yeah. And and you just have to be able to have it because, again, it's that level of transparency. If we're willing to say, hey, we need to put this in front of the light. Because here's the reality. If you're a Christian, all of this is being exposed anyway. At some point. Right? Because, because it may not be in this life, but if you really believe it, okay, you have to stand for God Almighty and he's going to play back the tape. And he's going to be like, okay, you say that didn't happen. You know, like some sort of weird, yes. more like this says it's true. And so I think having that, you know, having someone who's in authority to make sure that they can feel safe and supported um, 
will help people to do that because that's the struggle is, is I know, yeah. I know from people who've, who've come to me and talked about these situations. Um, part of the reason why they didn't come forward is because they didn't feel anything was going to happen. Yeah. And my heart broke for them at the time and still does. Um, you know, the people that I've talked to have, have well, been able to move forward with their lives, but but it's that idea of, well, if it's nothing's gonna happen, why am I gonna keep doing this to myself? Yeah. And I think I think one thing with a with a position I mentioned, like one of the immediate holes is that people don't trust the system anymore because of past experience. Like this, like like the one we're talking that, that sparked this episode. Um, which by the way, I have not said this yet, so I'm gonna go ahead and say this now that we're thirty minutes in. <laughs> But Chantel, if you happen to listen to this for whatever reason, thank you for your courage, your courage in coming forward with this and taking lead in in inspiring other women to come forward as well and and, and to and find men. community and, and men, men yep. as well. Yes, um, just thank you for that. Um, and let me just affirm you for that. And I do, I do want to make sure we do that. Um, but there is distrust for the system, and so whoever you bring in for a position like that, it needs to be someone that you can also say like wasn't trained by the denomination to do the work that they're doing. Because unfortunately, the denomination now or the system, whatever system it might be, is now coming in on the back foot. And the assumption will always be that you are doing this to protect yourself, not right. to yeah, actually yeah, protect yeah, yeah. your Just pastors optically. or your church members. Optics. Whether or not it's true, optically, that's that's how it's going to come across. It's going to look – it's just going to look uh, – It's going to look self-serving and it's going to look disingenuous. And, and disingenuous, that's yeah, what it's going to look disingenuous. It's going to look disingenuous. And that's, and that's like a sad reality to those people that I know exist at all of those levels that would love to see real yeah, change. Yeah, here. absolutely. Like, I, you know, I feel for them. But this is what, like, it does need to be. So, And that's why I almost say, like, let's hire a, a third-party organization, yeah. like a consulting company, to actually, you know, figure this out. Um, and I think each independent conference can do this. Now, for now, what we have is the Bucket Brigade Against Abuse, and that's with Sarah McDougall, yeah. um, Nicole Parker, and... Um, and, great Je- and Jennifer Joel Schwarzer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible three individuals. Um, I talk with two of them on a pretty regular basis. And, and, um, and what's amazing is there was a contribution from one of the episodes we did with them uh, that's made it into an ebook that, that Sarah's released, which by the way, I'm going to put a link to that in the, in the show notes as well. Right. Yeah. yeah. She Check did uh, 34 tips or something like that. 34 signs that, you know, there are 34 ways to spot sexual abuse or, or uh, assault in your church. And, and I think that, Something like that is helpful, and it is super cheap, and it's super quick. I mean, it it really is. It's thirty four tips, and it's like thirty five pages. Yeah. Like it's super short. But the we need some real change here, and I struggle to figure out exactly what that. Like right now, if someone comes to me as a host of absurdity after doing this episode and says, you know, I so and so this this happened, whatever, I would be kind of unsure of where to tell them to go outside of authorities and outside of like, if I knew what conference they were in, who to talk to or whatever. But like, there's not, and I don't know how much confidence I would have that something would happen. And I don't want to take someone's, and here's the thing. This is, this is incredibly important too. If someone comes to you as a friend or family member, whatever, a colleague, coworker with this happened to me, the last thing that you can do, the last thing that you should do is report it on their behalf without their consent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just so we're like 100% clear. Um, unless someone's life is quite literally in imminent danger. Well, and every- I would say imminent danger. Every, every state has uh, mandatory- Yes, they uh, do have mandatory reporters. Reporters, but know, know that. Um, and then also, you know, like 
just yeah. know that that you, you if you're going to do that, you have to let them know. Like you can't just okay, I got to go make a phone call and then go do yeah, that. Yeah, because like, let here's, them know when someone has gone through. And thank you. I think Jennifer is the one who who kind of pointed this out to me. I had always known not to do this. I'd never, but she's the one who made the reasoning. Like why? Yeah. 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 And that's not like, Oh, look at me. I knew I'm just saying like this, this really helped me understand this. And I hope it helps other people understand this as well. Um, for someone who has been traumatized by sexual assault or violence, any abusive situation, their agency has been taken from them in that moment. And for you, a trusted friend or family member, or for me, to take to then take that situation and do something against their consent or without their consent. Guess what we've done? We've now revictimized them for an entirely different thing. We've we've quite literally taken their agency away from them again, and or taken any potential agency away from them. And so, whatever we do, we do need to do with the encouragement of you need to report yeah. this to someone directly who can yeah. do something about this. Let me I help you get the strength. I will walk through you. I will be or, with yeah, you. you I, know, let me, I'll go. Or even like even a Moses and Aaron situation in Egypt. Yeah. Like I will go with you and I will speak on your behalf yeah. and you just be yeah. there. Yeah. Um, and you correct me if I get something wrong or whatever, yeah. but like I will, I will stand by you. I will do this. Um, that is also fine because maybe they just need an advocate. Yeah. But what matters is that they're the ones who've given you permission to do it. And it's their story still. It's not yours. Well, you know, all assault, it isn't isn't about the violence. It isn't about all that. It's about power. It's about power. And the people who come back from that, they talk about the helplessness of it. I couldn't do anything. And like... If you're making someone feel helpless again, that's why I say like a lot of times they don't come forward because I don't want to feel helpless anymore. Yeah. Like I don't want to feel helpless again. And, you know, I've been in situations where I feel helpless, not in those traumatic terms, but any situation where you feel like I literally like there's nothing I can do. A panic sets in, Mm -hmm. um, you know, for me, you know, I, I also struggle with anxiety and, and to have, to, to to not see solutions to a problem and to just realize like I there's literally nothing I can do. This is yeah. happening. Um, the illusion of control or the illusion of agency, you know, stripped away and you're just like, I got nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a terrifying feeling. It's ter- absolutely terrifying. And so the last thing you want to do is, is to make them feel that way again because not only will you, you know, cause them to possibly relive that moment of feeling helpless, but now they're feeling helpless in a completely separate environment. Yeah. Um, I've had friends who've, who've houses and apartments have been broken into and they have to move and they loved that place. And, and they have to struggle with, because they're like, I don't feel safe here. Mm-hmm. I feel helpless here. And so, you know, <sighs> the church is supposed to be a place where people can come and be their most authentic self and feel safe and feel loved and feel supported and that they can become a better person because of the community that loves and supports them. Um, we need to find a way to deal with situations like this can, that can bring healing to not only both parties, but do so in a way that creates a reputation for bringing about healing and not more trauma. Because here's the reality. An abuser is just as 
messed up by that situation as the victim. The trauma is not on them, but they're becoming a worse person because of the situation, because of what they are doing. They're making themselves a worse person Mm -hmm. and they need help. Obviously, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to do a, a, you know, you know, weighing it out, but they need healing. Clearly. And sometimes that healing is by accountability. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that healing is by exposure. Sometimes that healing is by uh, therapy. Sometimes that healing is by, you know, you have to go, yeah, a mixture of all of them. uh, uh, Penance in the sense of, you know, a correctional correctional facility or whatever. Whatever it takes to make them realize, like, this behavior is not appropriate. You are hurting people. This is not, this is not. Like the buck stops here. Yeah, this is not, this is not. behavior that is promoted by God. And this is causing you to be separate from him. And as Christians, there is nothing more dangerous than that. Um, And so we have to find ways to bring healing about that. And again, the priority, that's what I was trying to say, the prioritizing priority needs to be with the victim a hundred percent. But the way that we're doing it now, not only doesn't bring healing for the victim, but it doesn't bring healing for, there's no redemption. There's There's no redemptive possibility for, there's, there's, Neither way. Yeah. We, we, we sometimes think that we're trying to protect people. Um, a byproduct of standing up for, the, for, the, for those who've had an injustice, for victims uh, done against them, um, a byproduct of it is often also the redemption yeah. of the person. Of, of, and when I say redemption, I don't mean, oh, we're going to do this for their good too. But there is a balance in the Christian life of everyone has an equal shot at the gospel. <laughs> That's a, the reality. It's it's everyone it's, yeah. has a shot at the equal shot of the gospel. And B, um, if you can save everyone, save everyone. Um, th- this is an opportunity for that person to turn away from what they're what what they've done, and completely and be a completely different person from who they were. And this is something that Andre Henry brought up when he yes. was he was he came on in episode one hundred seven, and he's the guy who actually. He, he is the former managing editor at Relevant Magazine who broke uh, the culture of toxicity and racism that existed within Relevant Magazine. Yeah. So he came on and we talked about, um, talked about how organizations, traditionally white organizations, can actually properly serve and value people of color in, within, right. their, within them. But when he was on the Bad Christian podcast, one of the things he brought up with Cameron Strang, who is the, the founder of, of, uh, of Relevant, was he said... Uh, Oh, you're ruining his life by bringing this out and by outing all of this. You're, you've ruined his life, and you've and, and you've you, you mentioned this earlier in the episode too. You know, we're ruining their lives, and he's like, no, 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 they ruined their life. <laughs> they did this, and this is the, like not necessarily. Oh, my article or my public shaming of them is the is their is the consequence of their punishment. No, no, no. But that if they've already ruined their life, then this is the opportunity for them to. To make amends. Yeah, to make amends, to own up to what they're doing and to realize that what they've done is wrong because let's let's be honest, mo- most of us that are doing something wrong and we secretly know that it's wrong or whatever, you know, we know that, it, oh, if someone found out about this, it'd be a problem. Um, well, someone found out about it. You know it's a problem and there's no hiding it now. This is your opportunity because there is no hiding it now. Yeah. Like, well, cat's out and, of the bag. And And very rarely does this happen but there are cases where people honestly don't know and not in obviously not with sexual assault but um there are cases where somebody is doing something that they're not aware is is in some cases appropriate. yes 
um, they're like, oh, I didn't realize that was a thing. Um, and <laughs> again, by not telling them, you're literally causing them. Yeah, it sounds ridiculous, but it's it's the same. It's the same principle as when your friend has, you know, something on their face they've been eating, and they have mm -hmm. you know condiments or sauce or whatever on their face. By not telling them, you're not protecting them from the shame of having something on their face. You're not letting them know that they're doing well, something or going out with something shameful. And this is the issue that we have a lot of times is people are doing shameful things. It's not us that are sitting there or, or shameful is a bad phrase, because, but inappropriate things. They're doing things yes. that are harmful that if their character is one that is not one that does harm, if they truly are not someone that wants to do harm, you want to let them know. Mm -hmm. And there are very rare cases where that does happen. Well, look, we 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 shared on Absurdity's Facebook. We we shared a meme that was amazing, yeah. uh, just just a couple of weeks ago, and it like about a week ago, it, incredible. It says, uh, "It's a creepy dude at church." Hey, girl, where's my hug? And then it's me, or as the girl, and it's like three different women. One's looking at a map, one's looking through binoculars, and one's like got her hands over her eyes, like like she's like she's looking far away. Um, and this is one of those examples of someone who's doing something inappropriate without realizing it, which is expecting that girls or someone of the opposite gender will just give you, hey, I'm a hugger. I'm a, we're going to hug, whether you like it or not. This is happening. This is happening. Um, it, it'd be There's your, and the there's problem, your, your uh, magnet for absurdity. Yeah. Absurdity. This is <laughs> happening. Absurdity. This is happening. No, whether I'd you rather, like it or not. Not, rather, rather not be labeled be non-consensual. <laughs> Um, podcast of, of the century. You're listening um, to us. Deal with it. <laughs> the, and then they hit pause and they never hit play again. They, yeah, in fact, yeah. they delete the entire app. The entire. They use a different podcatching app now. They, yep. they, we've tainted the whole thing. They just burn. But no, it's this. It's the little expectations because even if you right, say, right. Oh, even if you're like, oh, I'm a hugger. Let me just say, I'm a hugger. Is it okay if we hug? If you've met them publicly, they're not going to say no and they're still going to be uncomfortable because now you've publicly pressured them into giving you that hug. Um, it is the assumption that because a hug, a hug has always been okay and appropriate for you, it is okay and appropriate for so and appropriate for someone else. It is it is not being properly considerate of someone else's boundaries. And sure, if you like, if you are in the position that you can say, "But it's just a hug." Like, why does this have to be such a big deal? It has to be such a big deal because there are people who have abused what you are calling just a hug. Here's the thing. Somebody, the comedian talks about this. He's like, people get offended when people are like, oh, that guy's a jerk. They're like, what? I'm not a jerk. You don't get to decide that. <laughs> like, you don't get to decide what someone thinks about you. You can only tr not try to be a jerk, but you can't be like, well, you're wrong. Well, and no matter what, you're going <laughs> to like, be, to some extent, you're also going to be the villain in someone else's story at some point. At some whether point. you're the, whether you're the ex, whether you're the, you know, that yeah, ex yeah. or whatever. Like, and and the reality is, like, you don't get to decide what someone else is comfortable with or not. Mm -hmm. Yes, and 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 let me be clear about the hug thing too. Even. You don't. You're right. You don't get to decide what else someone else is comfortable with, regardless of what trauma or, tra or or trauma they have or have not experienced. Or have not experienced. They could just not like hugs, and it's not your right to make yeah. them give you one. Uh, you know, I, I've said this before. Um, I was working as a. I think I've said it before. I'm pretty sure I have. Uh, I was working for Campus Ministries, and I'm, I'm a hugger from a Latino background. We hug. Mm -hmm. We're very, you know, physically affectionate. Um, and that's why there's a table between us right now. 
Yeah. Boundaries. Yeah. Boundaries. Um, but the reality is like one of the members of that group was uncomfortable with it. And they came to me and said, look, hey, just beware. Like we're asking you to, to ask for permission before they hug you. And I reacted badly to it. I did. And I like, before I give anyone a hug in the office, I like very loudly was like, can I give you a hug? Mm. And now looking back, I was like, man, I really, truly, honestly didn't understand. And I wish I hadn't yeah. done no, that. No, I've definitely been this guy. Yeah. Right? Like, I have. I know I have. And and so now I, I just ask. And people were like, oh, well, you, why do you have to? And I go, hey, you know what? It costs me nothing to ask. <laughs> yeah, it literally doesn't. It costs me 0.2 seconds of my life, and I might not get to hug somebody. Well, and, and the bottom Which, line is, if you is, don't want me to hug you, I don't want to hug you anyway. It's a it, and there's <laughs> a there's a there's a moment of praise if someone can say yes to that without it being yeah. an issue, right? Like there's a moment of like, oh good, I, like this is one of those times where, okay, we've talked about white privilege, we've talked about male privilege, we've talked about a, lo- a lot of different types of privilege, right? And and the idea of privilege is privilege isn't bad that you have it. Privilege is bad because not everyone has it. That that's that, like like privilege itself isn't a bad thing, and it's not that there shouldn't be white privilege. It's that that white privilege should be everybody privilege. Yeah, male privilege should be everybody privilege, right? And so if you if you offer to if you ask to hug someone and they go, yeah, I got no problem with it. Like this is great. You're like awesome. This is amazing. Your privilege that that you do don't you haven't you're had this thing tainted? Cool yeah. yeah, and I want this to be a thing for everyone, and so we can work together to get there. Now I'm not saying we transform every hug into a conversation about sexual assault and trauma. That would be a little much, but this is this is one of those examples. If you are someone who's comfortable with that, then we should be able to. We should be working toward a place where everyone can be comfortable with that, but they don't have to be. The only people that would that the only people who should, in theory, have a problem asking for hugs are people who probably have a problem asking for consent in all areas of their life. Or or people who haven't showered in a long time. Oh, yeah, there's, yeah, there's that. Um, <laughs> no, but I got, I'm like, those are the only people. Those are the only realistically. Now, of course, there's always an outlier who's just, you know, just doesn't get it or doesn't understand but those are the only people that like if you and 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 this is the type of transparency. Ugh, slow it down. This is the type of transparency. You can you call it had coffee today. Yeah, you got worked up. This is the type of transparency. I should not have given you a Starbucks mug to drink your water out of. Juice. This is the type of transparency. Is that TM'd by the way? Is that copyrighted? I, I don't know. Okay, good. Um, that I'm talking about here, and it's those simple little things of just ask. It's a cultural shift, but when you honestly break it down, it's like it costs you nothing to ask. Mm-hmm. It's just polite. Just think of it as being polite. Um, I, I did. There was another thing where, you know, I have a bunch of, of friends that are uh, vets and, and uh, ex-military, and um, there was a post about, hey, you know, on Fourth of July, if you see a sign saying, "Hey, I'm a vet, I have PTSD," you know, just please, you know, don't mm-hmm. don't put fireworks too close to the house. Uh, someone went off on that, that, oh, they don't owe us anything. Uh, you know, we it's our job to come back and do all this. And, and I was like, look, I'm not trying to baby anyone, but I go, but it costs me nothing mm-hmm. to be considerate. Well, it and, literally and costs me nothing. I can, you know, walk down the block. And you can, you can do a lot to prevent those moments too. In the small areas, like I know we've gone now micro to small things like hugs or small interactions like that. But look, if you know your church members are like this, or you know the group of friends you're about to introduce are like this or the friend you are, like you need to either tell your friend, like chill it on the hug thing, like this is a handshake group, or you need to tell your other group, like 
hey, I'd prefer it if we just, you know, like you have the opportunity to advocate for your friend as well and to make them feel and and to be in a position or, or to provide an atmosphere or environment where they can feel safe saying no to this thing or or feel safe not even having to because they know that you're not going to put them in that position, right? You have the opportunity that if you're introducing someone to someone else, you know the context of both individuals and can prevent that situation from having to happen in a way that also communicates that this is a safe place for all individuals here. And if you say, I don't want to have to, there's a certain bit of selflessness that's called on for, that, that every Christian is called to have. And if you say, I don't feel like I should have to change for someone else, um, I hate to break it to you, but not really. We should always be not modifying our behavior, but we should always be tried. We should always be considerate of those who have potentially had an injustice done against them. Those who are in a place where um, they they are in need of that kind of consideration. Bottom line, like if we are privileged enough to not have had something like that happen to us, then we need to be on the lookout to protect those who have. Yeah. And that is a duty. There's over 2,100 verses in the Bible talking about taking care of the poor, the orphan, and the widow. Yeah. Uh, victims, basically, of things that were outside of yeah. their control in many ways, shapes, and poor those, those, orphans, those widows. that don't have agency. Correct. It is. Yeah. Don't don't think of the specific labels, but think about the things that those things have. Those those three groups have in the common: unprotected, the the vulnerable, the vulnerable, those that don't have you know yeah. a say in their own life. I don't want to have to do it. I don't, it's too much. I don't like. I'm sorry. I I'm not really sorry, but I am. I, I'm sorry that, that you can't just be the way that you would love to be. Um, but I, what I'll say is you having to make that concession is a much less concession than what others have had to make here. And if there's one person that I'm going to ask to make the consideration, it's the person who has to make the smaller one. I'm yeah. not going to ask victims to live up to a standard or expectation from society that they no longer can because someone has someone has completely ruined that for them and it re-victimizes or traumatizes them every time. You shouldn't have to have a trigger warning every time you get a hug. Yeah. Like it's just not the way it should be. But unfortunately, for a lot of people, that is how it is. Right. Yeah. I and and again. I I will say this. Everyone makes mistakes. That's that to err is human. And it's a stereotype and a cliche because it's true. Everybody makes mistakes. We all make decisions that we wish we could take back, whether that's not studying more for an exam, whether that's, um, you know, a breakup, whether that's, you know, whatever it is, um, you know, drinking coffee at, you know, seven o'clock at night, mm-hmm. whatever it is, or gossip juice at seven o'clock at night, whatever it is, we've all made a mistake that we wish we could take back. And, and, I do believe that we serve a God who believes in second chances. But at the same time, we live in a world where where the second chances afforded to people sometimes come at the cost of those who have no, no ability to defend themselves, right? Um, Brock Stewart case, you know, this girl has had to now step up again and say, hi, I'm not just a statistic. I'm a human being. Mm-hmm. And 
whether or not you want to, oh, she was, you know, in a, in a, you know, hot, you know, she got drunk in college. It doesn't matter her situation. She's had to step up and reveal herself, something she did not want to do, and say, hi, I'm a real person. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, should we never live in that world? Yes. You know, I, I took an entire class on ethics for an entire semester. And a lot of times the big disagreement I had with my ethical professor wasn't that he was saying things that were unethical. It was almost like, okay, but we live in a world of sin. <laughs> like I, when we get to heaven, I would love to follow the ethics that you have. Like those straight up, like mm-hmm. everyone be nice to each other. A hundred percent. Yes. All the time. But we cannot base all of all of everything on that because it's like people are going to be bad. We live in a world of sin. And we have to acknowledge that fact and say, yes, I would like to live things this way. But sometimes you have to fight for those who cannot defend themselves. Mm-hmm. And and I get that the certain politics are a certain way and things are a certain way, but it's like God has called us to sacrifice. Whether that sacrifice is, and I think Matthew 25 is perfect for that, right? Who does God call to visit those in prison, to do all those things? He calls the believers. Mm-hmm. Read that that story. It's the believers that he sets aside. He doesn't tell the, you know, these aren't the whole world. He's like, hi, you said you wanted to follow me. Guess what? Go visit the people you wouldn't want to normally visit. This is the sacrifice that I need you to do. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the pure religion of serving orphans and widows. You know, those well, that have agency. It's going to require sacrifice on your part. If you, if you just want to show up to church, get your spiritual fix, and leave, I got bad news for you. That's not the Christian journey. We might have made it that way, but you are not only missing out on an incredible amount of it, but you might get into heaven— there's debate on that. You might get into heaven, but you are not going to understand. It's going to take you a while to understand the ethics of heaven if that's all the only way you live your life because it requires you, the true Christian walk, the true following of Christ requires you to sacrifice something of yours for someone else. Well, and what, what's wild to me is like the fact that this is a serious conversation about even just something as simple as not hugging someone when they because they might not want to be hugged and having to convince someone that that is like a reality that they should accept the fact that that's even a conversation is so like is is so it's like the no, perfect I, I'm so with you it's the perfect example of how far we have come from a church in acts that was quite literally known as selling things that they had that they didn't really need because you don't really need that hug actively selling things that they don't need property that they don't need and extra stuff that they don't need in order to help those who didn't have enough. It was funny. They were, they were talking about somebody was bringing stuff. I can't remember which it was up there at the seminary. They go, uh, yeah, the early church wasn't socialist. Socialist was the early church. Like they invented that. Yeah. No, that they were, they were a socialism copied us. Yeah. No, that, and, and, and that's the, that's the thing. Like, that's how far we've come from. Do you want to know how you can be the church of acts? Now you may not have to give up, like literally sell things to provide for someone else. But what you can do is look at the behaviors that you do that you may or may not have like be expecting of others that you can now give those up or take us back seat. And maybe there's some apologies that need to be made, or maybe you just need to be a little bit more patient in, 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 and that's something for me too, right? Yeah. Like there, I'm sure there, this is a moment of introspection that all of us can have. Oh yeah. 
and this every episode we talk about the great us, you know, and I think it's it's we don't need to revisit it too much because we've talked about it a lot, but we're not pointing fingers. We're we're saying how can we do better? Yeah. How can we do better to avoid the situation? And that's just the reality is like, man, there are things that I can do better. It sounds dumb, but it really is as simple as the thing we teach in credit roll in kindergarten. Be other centered. Yeah. Well, and, and let me, let me say this too. Um, people might reach out to us and say, you, you know, what are you doing to change this? And I think a looking at my behavior has changed significantly from the time I started this podcast to now. Um, and part of it is because of the layer of accountability that hosting this podcast in a podcast of yeah. this nature has brought. The visibility. Right? Knowing yeah. Yeah. I host a podcast about this, I need to make sure I do this right, right? right. Like, right. that's part of it. Yeah. But B, let me, let, me, let me answer this too. A, the fact that we're talking about it on the podcast is yeah. something that we are doing about it. Yeah. And if you don't believe that to be true, I can guarantee you, 100% I know this to be true, there are church leaders, both at the local level and regional levels, at multiple regional levels and within and without, you know, outside of the denomination that listen to this. This is quite literally us doing something about it yeah. because we are literally spitting ideas into the ears of those that may actually be able to do something about it given, you know, in whatever sphere of influence they have, including you as a listener. And so I'm not saying that our responsibility stops here, but there is only so much that this you know, this platform does. Right, yeah. yeah and so while yeah. we are working on our own behavior too, it is something that all of us need to do. And I do hope and, and would encourage you strongly to do some introspection, uh, all of us to do introspection to figure out like, what are the things that we are doing that we can give up in order to lift someone else up in order to be considerate of, of the other, even if I don't know the other is an other yet. Because most of the people that are victims of this kind of thing are are people that you wouldn't expect, yeah. so to speak. There is no look. You wouldn't to pick trauma. them out of a crowd. Yeah, there yeah. is no look. The only time there's a look to it is if you know that the person has had a trauma because they're a personal friend or family member, or you. Did and the it second they're the, yeah. about to be yeah. like you, like you can see the look in, so, in your friend's face when someone's about to hug them, and you know they don't like hugs. Like you can see that, but the yeah. person hugging may not. Right? They might not realize those that, are the moments you have as an opportunity to advocate for someone else and to protect someone that you care about, straight up. And so I do hope in both big things and small things, we do, we do step it up. I do hope that we've suggested some practical things here. And, and I, I, I hope something good can come of this. And Chantel, thank you again for using your platform responsibly um, as well for this kind of thing and for sharing your story as courageously as you did. Um, and we'd love to have you on if you, do, if you have made it to this point. I don't know if you have, but I'd love to have you on. I don't know. Uh, Tony, any final thoughts from from you on any of this? I th- I think it's important for for us to set up uh, spaces for conversation. Um, this is, I think, absurdity. Podcasting is a space for conversation. Um, I would say, you know, small groups. Mm. Um, specifically targeted for certain things, uh, such as you know, trauma, victims of trauma, um, people who are trying to, you know, uh, recover, you know, rebuild themselves, uh, people who are trying to, what you know, whatever it is, um, you know, small groups, I think, are another place. Um, you know, maybe not the main worship service, but a worship service, you know, where, where you can get together, uh, uh, 
you know, a, a Bible study group, but we need to create spaces for conversation where we can open up to this on a local level and have local accountability and local support. Mm-hmm. Um, and it requires that we give up time from our week. We give up a space, whether it's our living room, whether it's our apartment common room, uh, whether it's uh, a Tuesday at our, you know, churches, uh, you know, at a, at a facility, What's the word I'm looking for? A Sabbath school room or whatever? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Property. Yeah. The church's property, whatever it is, um, it's going to require you to reach out and, and set that up. Um, But that's something that everybody can do. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't need, I would say for the trauma one, yes, you want to get a specific effort, but to create a space for conversation or even a place where you say, hey, we're, we might not be able to help you fix the problem, but we want to come together and support each other. We're just going to pray. We're, we're just going to We're going to pray with you. We're going to find a mm-hmm. place to, you know, whether that, you know, we're going we're gonna to help find solutions or if you just need to talk um, or just to talk about anything really mm-hmm. um, and just ask questions and come together and study about those questions together. We need to create those. And so I hope that that level of transparency that people who step up and call for accountability and call for transparency will will begin the process of setting up those um, those spaces for conversation. And that's what I hope comes out of this. I agree. Um, hey, if you're someone who has gone through trauma, uh, know that we're sorry that you've experienced it. We hope that this has been a conversation that at least. I don't know if it was healing or any, I hope it could be in any way, shape or form restorative or something you can yeah, yeah. resonate with. Even if it's like a thank you that someone said it, whatever, I don't know what, but like whatever it is, I hope this was something beneficial for you and not hurtful or harmful for you. Um, and to those of you who have never been traumatized and are looking for ways that you can help, I hope we've given you some examples. Um, and I think speaking up in your local church, speaking up with your friends and, and, and just doing things to protect those in your immediate sphere of influence Um, by educating yourself is incredibly important. So um, we hope you guys have enjoyed the episode. We hope you've enjoyed your time with us. And we'll see you next week. Bye.